Yeah. And, you know, I feel lucky. I think I actually got to race in the best era of dirt track racing that there ever was. You know, me, you know, everybody's going to think that their era was the best. You know, if they were the 60s or they were the 70s or the 80s or the 90s and stuff. But my era was the 80s. And... Uh... Episode 67, Tank Slap and Pod. Finally, we got him on. We got him coming on tonight. He's got an upgraded cell phone, traded in his Nextel, Motorola Razor, whatever he, whatever he had. It's Mickey Fay. Um, legend, honestly. Northwest, Pacific Northwest, factory Honda racer from 1979 to 1983. Three GNC, Grand National wins in a very stacked era. Um, he won his first race at the Houston Astrodome in 1979, raced with so many fast legends, and I'm stoked to get him on. He's a race promoter. He has two sons that that raced. I don't know a lot about his sons. I know they're really good riders. I don't think I raced with them much. I think that was kind of Shana, more of Shayna, um, her kind of her group of kids that grew up together. But yeah, just a, a really well known family, and yeah, it's going to be good to chat with Mickey. I want to make sure. Uh, well, before we get too far into it, I want to just, I haven't really been super attached on social media recently on my personal pages, just a little burnout, just a lot of different aspects of this, of the sport. Sorry, a little as few aspects of the sport that I'm a little burnout on. Um, I'm just kind of focused on what I'm doing right now with my riding and my training and spending time with my family. And, you know, it's just a lot going on with different projects I have going and just needed sort of a, you know, just tired of reading a lot of the bullshit and yeah, just, um, but with that being said, I really like doing this podcast. I like, I like chatting with our guests and that's something we're going to keep doing for a very long time. And I want to just thank everybody for hanging in there and haven't been posting as much as usual, but we have some really good content coming up here in the near future, some really good guests. So we appreciate Everybody subscribing to the show, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, leaving us reviews, commenting, just sharing our stuff on social. Um, it's certainly appreciated. And yeah, I just, I really want to thank our sponsors that make this happen. Bell Power Sports, check out bellhelmets.com to view their full line of products. Bell does a lot for, for the sport and a lot of top riders across the industry are wearing Bell helmets. The quality the safety ratings, it speaks for themselves. I wear the Race Star Flex. If you have any questions on sizing or what model helmet might fit your application, hit me up and I'll get you dialed in with some info. Yamaha Motorsports and Yamaha Racing. We really appreciate Yamaha stepping up and helping out our podcast. Check out their website at yamahamotorsports.com. Go get a blue motorcycle. I'm telling you, I've pretty much transformed my whole garage to blue bikes over the past few years. And it's a, it's a brand that I've become passionate about. I really like being part of the Yamaha team. They show a lot of appreciation for their customers and their riders. And just, yeah, just stoked to have Yamaha on board. Yamaha revs your heart. Moto America, the next event, August 13th and 15th, Pitt, Pittsburgh International Race Complex. Get tickets. And if you can't be there, check out their Moto America Live Plus package. I want to give a big shout out to my buddy, Ben Glotti. He won the Junior Cup Race 1 at 
Brainerd, Minnesota over the weekend. And Anthony Maziato, another local boy, friend of mine, won the Twins Cup race. So that was super cool. Uh, Gagne's kicking everybody's ass still. He's won two more races. I think it was like his 11th win in a row. So dominance pretty much picked up weight where uh, Cambodia left off last year. Just, you know, it'd be interesting at Pittsburgh to see who's, who can get in there and mix it up a little bit uh, with Gagne, maybe, maybe take a win. So make sure you check that out. It's going to be phenomenal racing. Indian motorcycle since 1901, Indian motorcycle has been the choice of riders who make their own rules. Check out a local dealership, go test ride a bike. That Indian challenger looks so much fun to ride the FTR, the scout, they have so many great bikes, honestly, and um, really appreciate Indian supporting our show. They support the sport contingency programs, factory team. Uh, they just, they do a lot, man. They're passionate about racing and, and that's what we love here at tank slapping roof systems of Dallas, Texas, Jerry Stinchfield, nearly 40 years of experience. That's a long ass time. Commercial roof systems.net. If you're looking for a commercial, roof or you know anybody that is in the market jerry is the guy he's the guy in the country you want doing your roof on your commercial building so with that being said special thank you to jerry for supporting our podcast pretty much since day one he's been with us for a long time and does a lot for the sport of flat track dunlop motorcycle tires hit them up on their website dunlopmotorcycletires.com they are the official tire of the american flat track series not only on your flat track bike but your motorbike, your trail bike, your street bike, anything you need tire-wise, consider Dunlop because of their support and flat track. And they have an amateur team they help out. They they do a lot for contingency and they support our podcast. So Dunlop Motorcycle Tires, that's the, that's the brand you want on your on your whip. AIM Sports at AIM Sports Data, the world leader in data acquisition, the Solo 2 and Solo 2 DL, GPS lap timer. Phenomenal little tool. Get faster on the racetrack, improve your lap times, learn more about your motorcycle. It's a game changer, and uh, we talk about it a lot. So if you have any questions about that product, hit me up. Hanums HD in Media, Pennsylvania, with 65 years in, 65 years in business. Media, Pennsylvania. Check out their website, www.hanumshd.com. Tommy Hanum, he's a racer. He supports the sport. Anything, parts, motor clothes, service, new and used bikes, Harley-Davidson related, hit up Hanum's HD. Well, that's, uh, well, let's get our guest on the line. It's It's been a few weeks in the making here. Finally have him on the air right now, Mickey Fay. Mickey, what's up, man? Oh, you know, just living the dream and getting old. <laughs> getting old. Yeah, I I feel you there, bro, but I'm I'm not quite at that level yet, but you know, it's uh one of them things. I what's what have you been up to? Um I know you got a lot of stuff going on. You're still pretty involved in racing, you know. So what what's on your plate right now? Well, my two boys do a little, you know, a little racing. You know, it's not like it used to be, but uh you know, we do a little bit of racing here at home. We don't really travel anymore at all. Um, I've been promoting mostly indoor short track races for about the last 15 years. And, uh, you know, I do work, I'm an operator and in a union and getting ready to retire. Nice. Cool. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know if I've, I'm sure I've met you over the years here or there. It's been a while since I've seen, and I knew I raced 
Actually, I don't even think I raced with your kid. I think Shayna raced with one of them, uh, or maybe both of them. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah. Uh, possibly. They only rode a couple of nationals. Uh, they rode the TT National and at uh, Salinas a few years ago. Oh, yeah. And uh, my oldest son, Mickey, went to Daytona back in around 2009 or 10. Okay. And yeah. Other than that, it's just... Go ahead. No, it's all good. Yeah, I, re I recognize the names, and I remember seeing them on, like, the timesheets and stuff over the years. And being a fan of the sport and my dad kind of racing in the 80s and 90s, I always knew – I knew who you were. I knew Mickey Fay, And then I remember seeing that – I remember your dad. <laughs> yeah. I remember seeing that name on the timesheets. I'm like, oh, shit, that's his kid. So, uh, right on. Yeah, so you raced uh, – well, let's get into the – let's kind of start off with your amateur career a little bit. I like to kind of get some insight on that because things were way different back when y'all started racing and, you know, the seventies, eighties, it wasn't as easy. Uh, way, way different. Yeah. So talk about that. Way How different. You started in it? Well, you know, like everybody else, I started on like hundred CC bikes and, you know, moved up the, moved up the ladder and really started accelerating when I, uh, I got a chance to ride a 350 Honda Twin, and uh, it was a, when I was about 14 years old. I I got on this thing, and this thing was it was very cool for what it was in those days. You know, it was a constant loss ignition. They made a cool noise, revved to like 15.5. Just just was really fast, and uh, I ended up winning. I think every main event at an indoor we have here for for two years, like 36 A mains in a row. And they put a bounty on my head. Uh, to, you know, who the first guy to beat Mickey gets gets all the money that we put up here. And I said, well, what if they don't beat me? Then do I get the money? And the guy that beat me, his name was Butch Brown, and he was from up here, and he was a real fast, a uh, real fast flat tracker. And my chain broke on the starting line. So that, that they considered that, that a does that count? I guess it counts, right? I mean. <laughs> It it counted that night because they butch got all the money. Oh, yeah, yeah. So was that? Did Pretty you guys funny deal. have dirt or concrete? I know you guys do some concrete, but I know you guys. I see a lot of dirt videos as well. Yeah, that was all dirt and stuff back then, and okay. that's actually the next year. Uh, I actually rode that bike as a novice, and I had all my junior points in two races, and. uh we did you ever hear of sidewinders in oregon i've heard the name sidewinders the absolutely yep it was a racetrack on the side of a hill and it was probably my favorite racetrack out of out of all that i rode in the country and uh it we wheeled that honda twin in there and you know everybody had Boltacos or champion frame yamahas and uh you know they, they all kind of chuckled at that thing it's like they never seen one of these things before and the thing was fast and you know i just i smoked them that night on friday night and turned around the next night at castle rock and did it again so i had 30 points you only needed 40 to be a junior i had 30 in two races and uh back in those days you know you go to a western regional championship and there would be 265 novices and you had to win one of like 68 scratch heats just to make a heat. That's how tough it was back then. That's crazy. How did they fit everything? Like I hear these stories a lot. And as a promoter now, 
I do a race every year in Florida. How do you, how'd they fit all, like you said six, like how that, what time schedule was that like? You guys start at three in the morning? Like how uh, that? Buddy, that was, that was 1975. Yeah, that's insane. It was, you know, it started in the afternoon and it's, you know, the 68 scratchy just to make the regular heat race. And then the race is actually started. That, and that, that didn't count, you know, in the time trials for the juniors and the experts. And, uh, yeah, so back then there was, you know, a lot of competition, man. And, you know, a couple of my rivals as novices was uh, Ricky Graham and uh, Teddy Davidson. And uh, two, two real fast California kids, you know, we were all 16 years old. And uh, I got a pretty good story about uh, Teddy Davidson when you're, when you're ready to hear it. I mean, Oh, let's go. Um, I know the well, name. I don't, I don't know him too well, but I, I definitely know that name. Obviously, Ricky, you know, he's a legend, but yeah, definitely. That's yeah. <laughs> well, Teddy was a novice from, uh, from Modesto, California. He was somewhat of a Kenny Roberts protege thing, not like Randy Mamola was. But, um, but the cool thing about Teddy is he was actually sponsored by a massage parlor. <laughs> so his leathers, fronts of his leathers said Happy House Massage. And, uh, you know, we're all 16 years old and they rolled into Castle Rock for a, you know, Western Regional Championship in an old Scooby-Doo Winnebago, you know, uh, Winnebago motorhome, which was new back in those days. And out comes like three girls wearing little white hot pants and (laughs) yeah, we're all novices, you know, we're all just, we're all kids going like, holy crap, that guy's lucky, you know, and uh, (laughs) And then, you know, and he was real fast, too. We, we, we duked it out, and his sponsor that owned these massage parlors ended up, uh, he said we were cheating one night at a regional there, and that my Honda was a 450 and not a 350, and he put up the money to tear it down, and 100 bucks it was then, and then uh, they left. So the, the guy that owned the Honda gave me the 100 bucks, so I got to keep it. <laughs> you know, back in those days, you're 16 years old, a hundred bucks. Hey man, that's going to buy me a lot of gas without cruising around at home. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gas was a hell of a lot cheaper back then than it is now. So hundred bucks went oh, a, yeah. probably, probably went a long way. So, um, if I remember right, it was like 42 cents a gallon when I got my driver's license. Uh, that's fucking crazy. Yeah. I mean, I was, I'm, <laughs> I'm old ish and I want to say it was like, I don't even, a little over a dollar, dollar 20 when I, when I got my license. Um, yeah, should that changed quick, but no, I know. Um, so going into your, you know, you talked about your novice and junior, you didn't really finish out the year then like as a novice and like, as soon as you got your points, did you move up or did you kind of finish off? Each? No, no, I had to finish it out, but I, I had my point. So I was, you know, so I was a novice in 75, a junior in 76, and an expert in 77. Okay. So and so it just went bam, bam, bam. And then you kind of, you pretty, you, you were pretty successful right away from what I've read in the expert ranks, correct? Like you, uh, I know things were. Well, my first. Yeah, go ahead. My, my first expert race uh, was the Houston Astrodome. And uh, that was 77. And um, we were actually the week before, two weeks before we were supposed to leave. I fell at the indoor out there that I told you about when we were riding with the kids. 
and that Honda had a crankshaft that stuck through the side of the case where the flywheel used to be. So it stuck through there about an inch, inch and a half. Well, the thing fell on my ankle and it grilled through my boot and into my ankle and broke my ankle two weeks before the, we were supposed to leave for the Astrodome. And so, you know, we went anyways, and I had you know, very swelled up and broken ankle and bleeding inside my boot. And, but, you know, I was 17 years old and tough as nails, right? <laughs> and um, so I actually rode uh, BSAs. And uh, I had the, I had the Dave, uh, or the, uh, um, the um, Jim Rice BSA leathers and the Dick Mann BSA leathers and the open space silver magnum you know just looking like those guys on any sunday and we went and i did good i qualified good i lined up on the heat race in the front row and i think on the inside i won my heat and then uh, in the main we we took off in the main and we lined up on the main and you want to talk about intimidation i lined up next to roberts aldana uh romero um john Haitley. i mean these are guys that I'd, you know, read, you know, I knew who they were. I'd read about for years, right? Yeah. <laughs> but you know how it goes when the green flag drops, you're, you know, you forget all that stuff. And I actually led the main for, I think, seven laps. And then Gary Scott got past me and I passed him back and I blew a base gasket. And so the thing started dropping off and powered. Plus, I was tired as hell. I didn't realize how good a shape you had to be in. <laughs> So I faded to the back. I think I ended up getting eighth place. Okay. Eighth in the main on one on one cylinder. There you go. And uh, yeah, you know, a lesson learned. I came much, home and got in uh, shape. How much of that? Um, obviously, you mentioned a, a lot of riders that you know became famous from on, on any Sunday. How much? I've had a lot of guests on here that said that movie pretty much is what the reason they turned pro, like Ronnie Jones and some other guys, Greg Sassman, what, how much influence did that movie have on you? I mean, was it, was it a game oh, changer? Or a, what? It, it had a ton of influence. I mean, like, I think it probably did on every young motorcycle racer that watched it. That thing came out here in a little, little theater called the Auburn Avenue theater, a small theater. I don't even know how much it may help, but it was small. This was what, 19, 71 72 somewhere right there yep and so my best buddy lars who also was a novice the same year as me we went down to see the movie and we ended up hiding down under the bottom where the screen goes and i think we watched the thing i don't know four times maybe you know we hid and then the next feature would start and we'd go back into a seat and watch it again and it's it's just that that was it. That was the coolest movie ever, and uh, and it was so lifetime for us because we were that age as those like the kids on the bicycles at the beginning. Right. Yeah. We were that age, and that was us when we weren't. We were still riding our stingrays and stuff too, you know. So yeah, it was a pretty cool movie. I think that thing. I think that movie influenced everybody. Yeah, I'm, I've learned to um, gain a lot of like I've always liked it, but I've never, never under, understood the uh, historical like significance of, of riders like yourself and Ronnie Jones and just how it kind of transformed how competitive racing was in the late 70s, early 80s because of that 
iconic movie. I mean, yeah. some people got involved, but um, so yeah, so you turned expert in 77. Obviously you did well your first two years because you got picked up by factory Honda in 1979. So what, um, what do you feel was the reason Honda picked you up? What was that conversation like and how that well, kind of go? Well, if, the reason I got that spot up here was there was a the Honda representative from up here. His name was Monty Darling, nicest guy in the world. And uh, so, you know, he had some influence at Honda. And uh, so he had found, got wind, I don't know how, but that Honda was going to give out five XR500 motors and some cash to build a chassis and an airline ticket and leathers. And so he got, he got this deal bought for me. He says, I got this, this kid up in the Northwest. And he said that they told him my name and they said, well, we've never heard of this kid. Who is this kid? You know, and he said, well, he wins everything in the Northwest. He's, he's, he's fast. Okay. Well, Monty says, I, I gamble my, my job on it. And so they, they gave us a motor and within one week, they, uh, Dick Washer and Roger Stanley had built a uh, Wasco frame to stuff it into. And a week and a half later, we were down on a dead-end street in a neighborhood, ran it up and down the road three or four times. It was loaded in a van, and off it went to Texas. That's all the time it had on it. And so there was no optional park kits for it. There was no kits for that thing at all. It wasn't out to the, to the, to the public yet, that motor, nothing. So Roger took the piston, and he actually welded a dome on top of the piston. So, you know, hoping, crossing his fingers that it would hold up, that it wouldn't melt down, you know, in 25 laps and stuff. And it didn't. It it, uh, it worked good. He took it apart after that race, and it was still beautiful shape, top of the piston and everything. And and uh, so that's so kind of how we got there. And then you're talking about your um, obviously for for those that are listening, he's talking about. Your your first ever win was at the Houston Astrodome, nineteen seventy nine, and it was on that Honda XR five hundred. So that was the first win on that iconic motorcycle. Um, it was. Talk about that race a little I, bit. I, How that go, like who was in that? Like who did you uh, battle with in that race? And I mean, that's your first win. That's that's amazing. Well, I think the the guy I battled with the most was Eklund, and. Uh, we actually got into a verbal confrontation out on the, you know, on the starting line out there. And he, you know, he told me I needed to settle down, and, you know, cause I was, I was charging hard. You know, if you were in my way, I was going to bump you out of the way. I'm, I'm, I'm going, that's, that's all there is to it. I mean, I had been running every day, running, lifting weights. I was ready for that deal. You're from Washington. And, uh, man. It's not Washington. If you're not running into somebody, right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, maybe I don't know, but um, so you know, Eklund was real tough. He was, he was just, he was tough everywhere for everybody. And you know, as far as everybody else in that, I don't, honest to God, I really don't remember who all was even in that main event. And, they were all uh, behind you. I won. <laughs> well, you know, I won it by a pretty good distance, so I didn't really. I just don't really, you know, the excitement of winning your first national, you're not even paying any attention to who's around there. But, you know, I almost won my first national the year before up, up here, Castle Rock, the track before the volcano ruined it mm-hmm. on a champion triumph. I led the main for 
I believe, 23 laps oh, by a full straightaway in the lead. And uh, Springsteen was second, and the, I dropped a valve. Oh, shit. So dropped, <laughs> dropped a cylinder two laps ago and idled, idled around on one cylinder. So I got fifth, but how, it was super disappointing. Oh, I can't <laughs> imagine. That's racing. Yeah, especially yeah. in the race, man. That's, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I think everybody has at least one of those stories. Maybe not leading a national, but, so. <laughs> but uh, we've all kind of have been in shitty situations like that. But yes, oh, yeah. so you, obviously you went on to have, you know, a really successful expert career. You, I think you won three nationals. Is that correct? Three or four? I uh, won three, three nationals and two 600 nationals. Okay. And then you were, so, so, well, we'll get into that later. You, your career, actually, I didn't realize how long you rode motorcycles for, man. You were, you were, you were riding for a long time. You raced a lot of different people. 48 years. Oh shit. That's crazy. Non, that's, you know, that's from the t- time I started racing to the time I actually really enough is enough was 48 years. And I, I never, I never took a break unless I was hurt. And, uh, you know, it's just what I love to do. Well, I don't know if, I don't know if this is a touchy subject or not, but obviously your, a lot of your success was on the TTs. Um, what, how did you do? Like, I don't know much about your twins career or anything like that. Did you get a good opportunity to ride a twin on the, on the half miles and miles? And I, I never really had the best opportunity to ride those things. Um, you know, I didn't really care for the title TT specialist because I actually really liked short tracks and usually did pretty well on the short tracks too. Um, I did well on the half miles at like say Ascot. I ran in the top seven, eight, you know, a lot of times down there at the half mile national. I like the deep, deep, those deep cushion things where you, you actually had to ride hard instead of just tippy toeing around on a little narrow groove. And, uh, but as far as when we come into the Honda program and stuff, that I never really got a chance to ride an RS750. I rode the NS750s and did some R&D work with Honda on them. Yeah. And uh, you know, I I had a I picked up a sponsor out of Idaho that owned it. It was a lawyer. They owned a distilling company as well, and he bought and built a, probably the night one of the nicest XR750s and back in those days that I'd seen and so I had a really good Harley and I I was feeling really good about everything and we went to the San Jose mile and this thing was brand new and we came out of the corner I believe turn four and practice and uh, when I come into turn one the throttles were still wide open and uh, I ended up you know bouncing around going through the hay bales and through the fence and under the next fence and the thing did so many cartwheels it ripped the motor almost all the way out of the chassis, tore the top triple clamps off, tore the pipes off. I mean, it was it was destroyed, and uh, that was probably the nicest one that I ever got a chance to really ride. But I did get to ride Springsteen's Harley's at a few races in '84 when he was out sick, okay. and uh, I did I, I did that. okay on him here and there. Yeah, no, I, it's just crazy okay. too because like a lot of I don't understand what it is, what's different about up in Washington, but a lot of good TT riders and short track, you know, small track riders come from Washington. So 
Um, no, it's just because that's all we have. Just all you have. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> that's just all crazy. we have. Yeah. Crazy to me that uh, well, yeah, we don't have any half miles up here or anything. It's all it's all TTs and short tracks. Well, where do you live? Do you live near Seattle, Castle Rock? I mean, what's where? Where did you grow up at in Washington? I grew up about thirty-five minutes, uh, kind of southeast of uh, Seattle. Okay. And uh, do you know where? Were you up here when they ran that mile Emerald Downs, big deep horse track, where that Jennifer <laughs> I... Snyder chick lost her? I, 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 I wasn't mm-hmm. racing then. I've I've only done Castle Rock, and then I've done um I think it was Elmo, Elma, Elma maybe. I do, I've done those two in Washington. Those are the pretty much the only ones. Yeah. I'm... Oh well, I'm just you know half hour, not even half an hour from that uh, horse okay. track where they ran that. They ran there three times actually. You guys have really it, shitty it was... weather, so you're racing indoors a lot, right? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. How, all it, yeah, all winter. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> all winter we're indoors, but I think we're on forty-seven or forty-eight days straight right now with no rain. Oh wow! That's and eighty wild. to eighty to hundred degree weather. Yeah, it's hot here right now. That's but great. we don't have the humidity like you guys have. You know, it's not so. Oh, it's shitty. Yeah, in Dude, the I'm, summer it's brutal. <laughs> I remember being at Decoin, Illinois, and it was like one hundred and two degrees and one hundred and five percent humidity. <laughs> yeah terrible yeah, you, you literally feel it's like you're, you're like terrible. you're melting it's like it's it's awful um yeah uh-huh. that's crazy no um i wanted to ask you too i kind of ask a lot of the guests this because it's just interesting um who were some of your biggest right like you mentioned uh some of the guys you raced with but who were your biggest rivals in the pro pro stuff because there was there were some strong personalities back then and you've mentioned gary scott you mentioned Kenny Roberts. You, like, like there's some pretty big personality. You're talking about as a, you're talking about as an expert. Yeah, expert. Like, who were the guys like, that maybe you had a rivalry with, or uh, you know, like who were those buddy, guys? Every, everybody, <laughs> everybody was fast. Yeah, that's the difference between you know not to take anything away from these guys nowadays because this is what they know and this is what this is all they have. This is what they have. But in our day. You know, I remember going to the Astrodome and you there would be a hundred and hundred and sixty uh you know for the short track, there'd be a hundred and sixty three sixties up and out of the building and down the sidewalk for qualifying for sixty positions. Otherwise you went home, you were done. No, I've you know? I've I've obviously I've I've heard those stories with, with that many riders and it's kinda had me thinking recently too, because if you look at the point standings back then, there were guys that would miss main events. Um, obviously, because there were so many freaking guys, there was be you could very well miss a main event, finish outside the top ten, and still go on and win a championship. Now, if like you know Briar or Meese, if they don't finish top three, it's a really bad weekend for them. Where like back then, if you know there's yeah. so many competitive guys you could afford to, to get a sixth or a seventh like Parker on a clay half mile or, you know, something like that. But now it's like if Briar finishes fourth, it's like a bad weekend. <laughs> um, I'll so tell you, back, back then, you know, there'd be, you know, if there was, I don't know, 15 guys in the main event, 17, I don't remember how many would make the main back then. Every one of those guys could win the main could win. Yeah. That's crazy. And I'm, I'm, every one of them that made the main event could win the main. And, you know, it's, 
But as far as rivals goes, honestly, it was Steve Eklund. He was, uh, and it's funny, you know, we became friends in the later years, but we actually fist fought twice. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> once on the face, of, once on the face of the jump at Santa Fe at the TT and back in Chicago, and once on the starting line at the Cow Palace on the concrete. <laughs> yeah, we, helmets on, and uh, you know, just swinging like crazy. Neither one of us doing any damage to each other. And uh, we just, yeah, we just didn't like each other, you know. And later on, after, after an Ascot uh, half mile one year, Steve and my, my, one of my best friends is Jerry Kennedy. And uh, a friend of his that was a stager back then, we all piled in a rental car and headed for Hollywood to go do some damage. <laughs> and uh, we had a good time and me and Steve kind of mended mended ways then and we you know we were very respectful for each other for the, the rest of the time that he was around you know that's badass yeah i mean i say it all the time um, too many guys are too good of friends these days in in uh, in, our, in our in our sport you know it's like they're all uh, they all hang out every weekend and it's just i don't know when you're fighting for something you want something that bad and there's another guy trying to take it from you. There's not going to be, it's not going to be always sunshine and rainbows. You're going to have some personality conflict, but, um, but that's cool that you're able to go out and have a beer and kind of mend ways a little bit. Um, there was two other guys I wanted to back talk then, about. buddy. <laughs> go ahead. Back then when the, when the races were over, when the main event was over, the races were over, the races were over. We were, we were different guys then. Don't think, you know, we, we got on, we lined up, we were serious, you know, it was dog eat dog. It didn't matter who you were, but when the races were over, we were buddies. It was, let's go out, let's go do stuff. And we did. Yeah. So, I know, hear a lot it of those it was a good time. and I see a lot of cool photos of guys hanging out and, and uh, just the stories that y'all got into, man. It's definitely different, man. It's not quite as, I don't know, not quite as fun probably as uh, some of the stories you guys have. Um, but yeah, it's yeah, we had some fun. <laughs> it's crazy. If, uh, if we weren't wrecking, our, if we weren't totaling a rent a car, we were, uh, you know, we were doing something else, but we had a lot of fun. Well, I had Dan Stanley on last week and he mentioned that he kind of was younger ish hanging out with you. And he's like, man, Mickey used to, Mickey went hard. Mickey was a party guy. I was like, really? Cause he's about to come on the show. Like that's, that's, that's awesome. I didn't know you were, you got nasty like that on the weekends. <laughs> that's awesome. I was a party guy. That's what he said. That's what Dan Stanley said. Yeah. Uh, I must have missed a lot of that, but you know, <laughs> going out after the races and having a couple beers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I did that with all my friends, whatever, but yeah, if we weren't at the races, I wasn't uh, doing too much partying. You know, it was just, just something that I just really didn't do all that much. Of. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. Um, you, so a couple, two more guys I wanted to ask you about, um, just kind of some thoughts on like how that, how things went, but the one was Jeff Haney and he was your Honda teammate. Um, how was that relationship like? Cause I don't know a lot about him. Hey, me and Jeff were, we were friends. Um, you know, back, back in the days of, you know, in the mid seventies, you know, being longest and a junior and all that, the, the California guys were different than the Washington and Oregon guys. They were, you know, I, I'm, they were kind of snobbish, kind of arrogant. They all had that, portrayed that attitude, you know. 
when they would come up here to race and uh you know it just everybody were kind of standoffish washington guys were kind of standoffish towards the california guys and you know just like maybe everybody kind of grew out of it or whatever but they all came across that way you know from ricky graham to scott pearson and uh it was a it was a lot of them you know and they were just from a different place that they did down there was different than what we did up here and uh, a lot of fast guys came from california and stuff back in them days yeah well i even now i mean i i from what i see washington everybody's pretty low-key in washington nobody really cares what you wear what you, you know it's kind of like low-key um where california everything is just kind of a different vibe uh it's it's still similar yeah. but i i can imagine that was kind of and then that's kind of brings me to my to the next guy i wanted to ask you about we've had him on our podcast and i know you raced with him a little bit toward the beginning of your career but kenny roberts um what was it like racing with kenny and even as he kind of transitioned to, into road racing what was how fast was kenny actually well i, I think his records you know <laughs> I stand for that without anybody saying anything. He was the king. Um, I didn't know Kenny all that great. Uh, you know, I didn't really talk to him a lot because he was kind of moving into the road racing world when I was coming up into the expert ranks. And uh, but he would show up once in a while. And like he showed up at the Astrodome one year that, uh, that Jones won the short track. I believe it was around 80. 83 somewhere right there and uh it was ronnie won i was second and roberts was third and it it took me about 18 laps to get past kenny i would it's like the guy had eyes in the back of his head i would go to the top side and try to get around him and he'd move me up i'd go to the bottom and he'd cut me down and Finally, I just, I don't know, maybe I don't remember. He made a mistake, whatever. I finally got by him, and there was only a couple laps to go. And so I didn't, uh, Ronnie was a few bike lengths in front of me. I didn't have a chance to even try to catch back up to him. He was so smooth that night, you know, and just doing everything exactly right. I could see him up there, but I just couldn't get around Kenny. What was um? But, uh, yeah. What was that like racing at Houston? It's For me... Obviously, I never got a chance to 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 race it race at the Astrodome. But if there is one event, Ascot's up there as well. But just the 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 looking up at the bleachers, photos from that from that those races. How how like what are your memories of that? Like, I, man, that's when I won there. There was fifty nine thousand people. That's in the bleachers. That's like a Supercross nowadays. That just and, like uh, gives you chills to think about, man. That's just so cool. Oh, there was this, yeah. Then, you know, if you picture yourself in the perfect atmosphere, the perfect temperature, you know, it's not hot, it's not humid. It's just, you know, the dirt's just right. You know, it's the, the Astrodome, the dirt in the Astrodome was, was real. Uh, you could do whatever you wanted to do on it. You could run high, or run low, you could turn stop the thing and turn the other way and you know there was no it was just very uh very equal very the same for everywhere you went on the on the track surface you know what i'm saying 
Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I've seen you, some video and just, it's it's pretty fun to watch. Like there's guys around the bottom, there's guys hammering the outside. You know, it, the video footage is pretty shitty just because it was from so long ago. Old. Um, it's so old. <laughs> Can't imagine yeah. what they were filming. You want, with, to know, but... <laughs> you want to know one of my best memories of the Astro? It didn't have anything to do with me. <laughs> absolutely. So the year that Steve Weiss, the year Steve Weiss came there on this factory 500 Honda, motocross he mm -hmm. rode the 500 honda that was like set up for the super bikers like he won i believe two or three times and uh steve was good guy too steve's really good guy we got along really good uh he launched it off that and the astronaut had a big jump it was big it was every bit as big as ascot's jump and uh Weiss launched it off that jump, and this was way back in the early 80s, right? So you're not seeing a whole lot of this uh, whipping it sideways like Danny Magoo Chandler and all that kind of stuff. Well, you don't see a lot of that at this point. But Steve goes off that jump, let's go with these handlebar waves at the crowd. And, you know, these, are, these people are here watching flat track racing. They never really seen much of this at, at this period, right? Well, Parker not to let Weiss show him up, he goes off the jump on an XR750 and does no-hander. <laughs> I mean, it was cool. That's badass. And, uh, yeah, he's just like, oh, I could do that too, but I can do it better. And so Scott goes off the jump, no hands, wave, wave. oh yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. <laughs> that's yeah, so funny. Pretty cool. Oh man, that's great. <laughs> Uh, what are your thoughts kind of, so the AMA schedule over the years, like when you were, you know, you mentioned Santa Fe, Ascot, um, Castle Rock, Astrodome, you guys had a pretty, pretty diverse schedule. And I know you raced up until, um, you were the 1994, actually you were the 600 CC national champion in 1994. So, um, like I said, your career was, you raced for so long, but the schedule, in the early, like I would say late 80s, early 90s, there wasn't like a lot of TTs or short tracks. I think y'all might have raced yeah. Daytona and Peoria. Um, what you, what were your thoughts on the schedule, it, like changes? Well, it all started changing, and I believe it was a real downturn for, you know, for flat track racing because in the, in the beginning for me, you know, it was, there was almost the same amount of TTs and short tracks as there was half miles and miles. So a guy could actually, you know, could ride, if, even if he didn't ride miles and stuff, he could still ride a, a lot of national events and still do well. And then they started going away from the TTs and going away from the short tracks and uh, just going all of the half miles and miles. And, you know, in my opinion, you know, guys had to have, you know, they had to have two Harleys, you know, and they were back then, you know, Harley was pretty reasonable, not like today's standards of, these Indians have been 50,000 plus. So, you know, you had to buy two of these and everything. When they started changing all these rules, and I think it started killing it. And because back then, you know, the, the Rotax was, was real popular, right? And they're bulletproof. And everybody that raced pretty much had two Rotaxes and probably a spare motor. And you could run that thing for many races without even having to get into the motor. And you know, it was just, uh, I think with all the changes they did, they did a lot of bad changes and it started costing more money and more travel and not enough diversity for different types of riders. And so what happens? 
guys quit, start doing other things, you know, get older. Yeah. Yeah. It changed a lot back what in that is, period. For, for reference, for people listening, what did it cost? I mean, obviously to build a, to build a 450, like a top of the line 450 right now to race AFT singles, you're probably spending 16 to 18 grand. Um, total oh i would think so at, at least Should i think so, a K, I, I think a ktm or a husqvarna just the stock ones around fourteen thousand bucks now. oh shit you're right 12 yeah to four, okay 12 so, to 14 so it's to get all the good wheels and motor and exhaust suspension okay you're probably let's say 20 grand 18 to 20 grand probably yeah um god yep. that's crazy what did it cost to um when I bought my first 450, I got it for like six grand, like in 2004. It was so much cheaper. Um. Anyway, what what did it cost? You know, back then, you could for a Rotax, like you could what, build a good a good Rotax, a Woods good Rotax. You could build a good one for six thousand dollars. Okay, and that's probably a good one. Yeah, a good one. Yeah. And being and a Woods one was the best ones you could get. I mean, Ron Ron Woods, you know, he the guy was super talented at building that, you know, designing that stuff and. Is that what they you rode, good. Mickey, most of the time? They, Did you ride a Woods frame? Yeah. Um, in the years back, I rode uh, Panther frames, which were, I really liked them as well. And then I rode a couple nights, but, um, I, you know, the Panther, I, I, I fit the Panther real good the way with my riding style and stuff. But I found later on um, the Woods bike, the Twin Shock Woods road test, just the things just track so good. They track so straight. They put, you know, they put all the power to the ground. They just hook up hard, you know, off the corner. You just, they're just good. I mean, if, but if I was going to build something new right now, I'd probably build a Panther Rotax if that was still going to be the deal. Because they're, I just always really liked the Leds chassis. They just steered good, turned good. They were light. They worked good. But, you know, they, back to the, to the, if you're asking for my opinion on some of the stuff and what kind of happened in my thought, yeah, yeah, go is, ahead. Are you is with all the changing that they made early in the years? You know, first they went from 360s in the in the mid 70s, and then for some stupid reason they changed 250s. Why they did that, I got no idea. Then they went to 500s. This was for the short tracks. Then they went to 500s and. They just jumped all over the place, and every time they did, it cost more money. And then, you know, the TTs and short tracks started drop dropping off, and it was all big track stuff. And so the guys that rode only TTs and short tracks didn't really have anywhere to go. But in the last uh, few years now, I think you know they now it's ATF, and you know I don't even follow it all anymore, really. But one of the biggest mistakes that I've seen, in my opinion, that they made was letting Ronnie Jones go when he was, when he was working there for, I don't know if it was the AMA then or what it was just a few years back. Ronnie was the one I think would have kept it more moving ahead because I think he thinks about stuff different. He thinks about the way it was and being affordable and, and, you know, I, I don't, I think that was a big mistake they made. And then the way they're doing it now with this, you know, buying in and doing all this other junk, it's just, it just looks to me like it's just going downhill and it's sad. 
Yeah, I can't. That's just uh, my opinion. Huh? No, no, no. Yeah, I mean, I I appreciate that for sure. It's good to get some insight. I can't argue. Uh, Ronnie is a he's a good friend of mine, and man, he's just so so insightful and uh, just a lot of a lot of what he actually his ideas at the time they've actually implemented. Um, you know, running the twins everywhere. He was big in he was big in that decision, and it actually that that part of it has worked out well. Um, it's cool being able mm-hmm. to run a twin everywhere and, uh, you know, wearing leathers on, on all the racetracks. I was a bit, bit skeptical, but now it's like, I'm thankful that, you know, we, we all wear leathers and, and things like that. Kind of a little bit of old school vibes a little bit, but, um, trying to make it work now. So that was a lot you of, you know what they should do. <laughs> Everybody's got an opinion, right? Right. In my opinion, this is what they should do if they want to keep it alive. And they should have done this several years ago. I, I got the I got the deal where they wanted to come in and everybody had to run you know, no more road taxes if you had to run a you know Honda Yamaha Suzuki Kawasaki whatever getting the manufacturers involved I, I get that all good idea but the thing is I think what they should have done or could do was made it flat track racing like an IROC series it, it needed limitations and as far as affordable limit, limitations. Yeah, you can ride any Jap bike you want. You change your wheels, your suspension, and your exhaust pipe, and your mapping. Right. And that's all you can change. No, I don't even know how much a head is for one of those now. I imagine you can spend upwards of five grand, maybe more on a head for one. You know, I know their cranks uh, are a couple grand if you want. Yeah. You I know, mean, yeah. Making an IROC series. Yeah, no, I don't disagree. I, um, I think there's a, even, even more so in the twins, like there's some twins out there that have technology. It's like you mentioned $50,000, uh, twins. It, it makes it challenging for, for other guys to move up and step in. And I wanted to comment too, real fast. I think the, when the Rotex got, it kind of got booted out from the series. It was kind of when they, I, I know they went from 600s to 505s everybody was running 505 cc's they were boring like making their 450s big bore 505s and the rotex the rotex was really good as a 600 and it was manageable as a 505 but then they made it 450 cc and we actually turned our 505 rotex into a 450 and it completely shit the bed like it was it felt so slow, slow compared to um cuz you could run a rotex 450 but nobody did it. Like everybody pretty much put them on the shelf once we, once they did. You know, the original ones were three fifties, right? Yeah. Did you know that? That I did actually. (laughs) I've, I've I've seen one of them. Um, Yeah. Did you you run one? Were they, were they good? I mean, there was a kid up here that had one. His name was Speedy Kell and he was, uh, he rode one and it ran real good. It had some work done to it and stuff. But you know, I think the best road taxes they ran were, 614s yeah 628s and then the guys started going to the 660s and the 676s you know they were yep like we have ones we have one right now we still have a woods road tax it's a 676 and that thing on a big track it it runs right with the fast 450s if oh, not even it. maybe a little bit faster but uh you put one at an indoor or something it, yeah they hook up <laughs> pretty good on a really slippery one but they just don't have that modern technology or they jump off the corner. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I've never actually ridden anything woods framed. Um, I, I've ridden C and J, J and M. I've ridden some linkage, like big A frames, but I've never, 
never been on a woods bike, so I can't, it's hard for me to comment. You, you talked about how good the woods frames are. I I'd like to, I'd like to try one at some point, but, um, there's just not a lot like you don't, I don't, whenever, whenever somebody brings out a woods frame, it's like, Oh shit. Like, look at that thing. <laughs> like it's, I don't know. You just don't see many <laughs> in, anymore. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's kind well, of they're crazy. somewhere. Cause there was a lot of them. Yeah. They're all on you know, shelves. Now. A, yeah. They're all on shelves. I uh, guess hanging from a beam. <laughs> uh, a couple more questions and I'll let you roll here. Um, is there anybody out there? You said you don't follow it. So maybe this is a bad, bad question for you, but is there anybody out there you enjoy watching today? Um, like, do you watch any of them? Do you, did you go once, when's the last one you've been to? Um, well, the last one I'd been to was when I went back to uh, Springfield to ride a uh, bull taco. Um, I don't know how many years, maybe five years ago, six years okay. ago, something like that. But that's the last national I went to. And, I was impressed the guys on the 450s, you know, the, uh, they were, they were fast. And, uh, but, um, from out here, I, you know, I watch once in a while. Um, I like watching Davis Fisher. Of course, you know, he's from the Northwest and, uh, and Sammy Halbert. He actually lives about a half an hour from me. I see Sammy a little bit during the winter time at some indoors and, um, but other than that, I don't really know anybody anymore, you know? So, yeah, no, it's really it's, no fun watching it. On, I feel on like TV. I don't know half <laughs> the kids at race pro anymore. Like there's kids walking around the pits and I'm just like, who the hell is that? Like, I don't, and there's not even that many guys and I still don't even, I don't know. Yeah. It's just, right. uh, it's, it's definitely what, I don't know. When I turned rookie, I knew, everybody um there's so many guys and i i kind of had a relationship with most of them and and now things are it, it's just different it, there's it's not that vibe where you walk around and say hi to everybody um so <laughs> let me ask you a question yeah go ahead <laughs> who's faster you or your sister <laughs> i i <laughs> i'm gonna say me man i really am i mean it's uh it's tough though because you say that too Nah, she would she say, say her. That? She would say her. It's tough because they're. I think her peak, like when she's at her absolute best, she is phenomenal. Um, so her peak is probably maybe a higher peak than mine. But I think I'm I'm more consistent now than Shayna is. Um, oh yeah. But she's. Yeah. I've seen her do things on a motorcycle that it's just like, it's like holy shit. How do you like? I don't think she gets enough enough uh props for the, some of the stuff she does but anyway yeah she's yeah i remember the first time she beat me it was like on mini bikes at like a local race i was so pissed i was like god i'm never letting that happen again <laughs> and then it it happened a, a lot more <laughs> so, uh, well she beats a lot of guys so i don't, I don't yeah henry, <laughs> henry wiles was talking shit on me i think it was last year he was Oh, you're the guy that gets beat by his sister. I'm like, bro, I'd rather get beat by my sister than somebody else's sister because she beats you too. Uh, was, <laughs> people talking shit. It's like she goes out and beats you guys too, man. So uh, that's funny. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, oh boy. I got one more segment I like to do. It's called the higher low line, sort of a this or that. Um, kind of pick one or the other and maybe a brief reason. Uh, mm -hmm. uh 
So you gotta pick one or you gotta pick one or the other to race. Let's just say Houston, the XR five hundred or the CX five hundred. It's probably a battle battle. Well, that's an easy pick. <laughs> I know. I, I don't remember even putting this one on here. I was probably <laughs> jostling. Five hundred. Is that what you said? <laughs> that's what's on here. I don't know why I have that on that, here. The CX five hundred didn't go too far. I rode it at Ascot. It. Uh, it it didn't go too far. I thought I thought it had a couple of decent. Did you have a couple of decent results on it though? I'm trying to think why. It's I, am, I might have an Ascot, but uh, okay. they kind of parked that that uh, that that bike kind of got got parked, and okay. uh, they moved ahead with something else. Well, you mentioned you rode the yeah. NSR seven fifty, but you didn't run the RS, and I'm like, ah, oh, that's quite a bit different than the RS. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I did good though on that NS750, but I, you know, out of all the half miles and shit, you know, like I said, Ascot was probably my favorite, but, you know, I was only like, oh, just a, like a split hair of a second off the track record at Ascot on the half mile one night. I had it, and then Ricky went out and beat that time by just as, I mean, by two inches, you know, but uh, the NS worked pretty good there for me. I think uh, I've heard some horror stories ride that about thing. that bike, the NS. Not horror stories, but yeah. I heard it, it wasn't that great of a steed. Um, but uh, that maybe yeah, that's you know, I don't, I don't know. RS, I don't know. Well, there's reasons they went to where they went. You know, left right. the NS behind and went to the RS. So there you go. Fair enough. Uh, mm-hmm. You gotta yeah. pick. You gotta pick one TT that you want to go race. Let's say go back and race. Houston or Santa Fe TT? Oh, Santa Fe. That was my favorite. That's your favorite. Ted Booty called that the Mickey Fe. uh, uh, um, Oh, what the hell did Ted say? Welcome. One night we're in sign up line. Welcome to the Mickey Fe benefit or something. Because (laughs) he said, nobody can, nobody can beat you here. (laughs) I've heard a lot of good things about that place. It was cool. I mean, it it was a big TT with a lot of you know a lot of turns and two jumps and uh, you know it was also a groove track you had to use a lot of front wheel brake at the end of the straightaway because it had a long straightaway and you know, real fast straightaway. But, okay. Uh, yeah, Santa Fe, one of my favorites. I got another one for you again. This now that now knowing what I know now, this is probably this is probably actually I don't even okay I, I had. You got to pick one bike to go, let's say, go win a half mile national. Are you picking the most badass XR750 or the most badass RS750? This is kind of tough. Um, I've never ridden the RS. So, yeah, I, I think I'd have to probably go with one of the Harleys just okay. because that's, you know, I did ride one. You know, I never got to ride any of the newer ones, like, you know, the later ones that, they rode a few just a few years ago, like the ones Jerry owns that, that Brandon rode forty four. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know those are those are real nice ones. I'd like, I would like to rode, you know, one of those. Or, you know, but time's gone by and my time's gone. So <laughs> all I could do is all I could do is think, well, that would have been cool. You know. Have you rode a DTX yeah. bikes much? Like 
the lowered moto bikes for flat like i don't know the last time you've actually raced yourself but do you have a lot of time on those bikes um yeah i wrote i wrote some of those they you know they had when my kid was in charge of that clear channel uh tv or whatever that was mike did back in the early 2000s i rode one of those at the tacoma dome up here uh we had a tt in there all the hayden brothers were here and uh wait a minute maybe nikki wasn't here but tommy and roger were you know and a lot of a lot of fast guys were up here for that movie and everybody and uh um i was no terry wasn't terry wasn't here but um so they figured out that i was uh 20 years older than the oldest guy in the main and uh I what got lapped. By, I got lapped by both Haydens. <laughs> all the way up, they lapped all the way up to. I got. I believe I was sixth in the in the main, and they lapped all the way up to. I believe fifth. Yeah, that's that's. Insane. <laughs> but you know what? I didn't feel bad. I didn't feel bad at all. But like, eh, nah, you know, they're fast. <laughs> my best ever finish at the time at a national was like my rookie year, and it was in Ohio. It was like a cushion mile. And I want to say I got ninth in the main event. And I was pretty like, that was my first top 10. I was like a rookie or second year or whatever. And I was pretty stoked on that. And um, Joe Cop lapped me halfway through the main event. He uh, he lapped up to like fourth place. And I remember like halfway through the main event, I look behind me, I hear a bike and it's Joe Cop. I'm like, when did Joe fall? Because there's no way he's lapping me already on a mile. And yeah, he lapped, he lapped all the way up to fourth. And so like I got ninth, but I also got lapped halfway through the race. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you know, again, there's another guy who's real fast. So you don't have to be, uh, you don't have to feel bad. Yeah. With somebody, it, with somebody with his capabilities is lapping you, you know, it's like, it's yeah, okay. it, it was a real skittery mile. And uh, I, I still say he's one of the best setup guys I've ever seen. So who knows what, what setup he had, but he, he kicked everyone's ass that day. But yeah, so. Um, yeah. I think uh, they're probably the best guys, the best miler that I've ever seen. I think bar none. I'd have to put my money on Jay Springsteen. Oh, really? Okay. Over Parker. Yeah. And Graham. I mean, yeah, I think so. And, I, I mean, that's just my opinion. And you know, I, Jay, I think Jay, what if he's, I'm 62. Jay's got to be 64, maybe 65, somewhere right in there. And I think he could put a helmet on today and run in the top five on any mile. <laughs> I agree with you. I, I don't know. I mean, he'd be there for at least half the race. I, I love yeah. Springer. I see him. I see him. He comes to some of the races still, and he always comes down. I could be pitted over by the shitters a mile away from the track and he still comes over and says hi to me all the time i'm like dude you're like the nicest guy ever i, I love talking to that guy he's yeah and you know i feel lucky i think i actually got to race in the best era of dirt track racing that there ever was you know me you know everybody's going to think that their era was the best you know if they were the 60s or they were the 70s or the 80s or the 90s and stuff but my era was the 80s and, uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate and lucky. I got, I still have real good friends with a lot of them, you know, like Baba and, and Ronnie and, you know, Parker and Jay. And I mean, everybody was cool. Everybody was cool. 
And, yeah, uh, that 80s era I'm, I is, feel lucky. is underrated. A lot of good, a lot of great riders. Um, golly, man, just looking at the mm-hmm. list of guys who have won races in the 80s, it's 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 spectacular. I've I like having guys like you on the show, and um, we've had Doug Chandler and Randy Goss, and um, just having those guys on the chat about that that kind of era a little bit because I I was more of a 90s kid just growing up and you know, the camel pro series and watch my dad race. I, um, I didn't get to appreciate the eighties as much, but hearing stories like from you guys, it's such a crazy time. Well, let me tell you something away from the racetrack. The eighties were a blast. <laughs> I was big, a product of the eighties. Was... <laughs> That's badass. Yeah. Uh, one more quick question. I'll let you go. Cause I'm a promoter now and I know you do some promotions too. Um, how did, how did you get started in that? And, and do you have any events coming up that people can check out? I do. Um, I got started in that about 15 years ago when I just, uh, you know, my body was starting to take a toll. I've had 24 orthopedic surgeries and, uh, you know, from a good 20 of them are from racing and, uh, I just couldn't really do it anymore. And I didn't, wasn't in my heart anymore. But my, like I said, I had two boys coming up and racing. So I said, well, I'm going to start putting on some races. And that's how I kind of got into it. And I, I did it for about 15 years. And I do have one coming up. Are you familiar with these new uh, mini bikes called the Sunday Racers? Yeah, the Sunday Motors. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, Sunday Motors. And they run the Daytona Motors. Well, so with those, and then there's the fabricator up here. Travis Johnson makes the Savage custom mini bikes, same motor, just he has a, re- his is a real dirt tracker. It's a, it's a real deal. And uh, these things are 212 cc's and they're making anywhere from 28 to 30 horses on the dyno with 14 inch wheels. I mean, they, they go. I've, and so uh, I'm running a pro. Hmm? I've seen, I was just going to comment on uh, the Savage customs guy. I've seen his, some of his projects and man, it's just like, they're so cool looking. Um, I'd love, I'd love uh, he's to ride, super ride talented. Um, but he's go ahead. You have, a, you have your, uh, you're going to have a, a race with just them bikes. Yes. I, it's a $6,000 pro purse. Uh, there's a, there's an old dirt tracker from up here. He's, he left us there a few years ago. His name was Dick wall and it's going to be the Dick wall Memorial indoor concrete short track. And it, it is on the cement. And it's, uh, it's just these bikes. There's a pro class and an amateur class. And then there was an invitational PW50 only class, six years old and under. Oh. And uh, which will be my, my uh, five-year-old granddaughter's first, first race on her PW50. And oh. uh, so, yeah, it's going to be a pretty fun event. It's a smaller venue. But uh, last night, um, I've been talking back and forth. Do you remember Larry Huffman, the mouth of Supercross? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm trying to get Larry to come up here and do my event, and he's, he seems very interested in it. And if there's a guy to get the crowd going, that guy can do it. So, That's awesome. Yeah. Is, is it just uh, October 16th? October 16th. Is it just, uh, con- is it concrete or you guys put Coke syrup on? Nope, we don't have to. Um, it's it's just concrete, and we've already been in there and did some testing. For we took four of them up there, and it's so much like a smooth dirt track. I mean, they 
they're coming in sideways and the tires are already just howling and uh back on the gas and what are the, the rules for the feet. um for that class then mick is it uh is it just those sunday bikes or can you run like an xr 100 or 150 or no no it's a mini framer mini framer okay yep so basically it's a sunday racer or a savage custom savage and then um, damn <laughs> i want to come out but i don't have a, i don't have what i don't have a sunday <laughs> right now i gotta well we do a lot of con i mean i know you guys are super fast indoor racing well, we, we do could a lot probably of get you one <clears throat> well you let if you can yeah, find me a steed I'll, I'll i'll come out and uh my, my little guy cruz he'll be four in september so i could bring him out and do the the pw race as well did you ride stuff. oh yeah yeah he's been riding since he's been two so it'd be uh we well can make, I, make it a thing okay so we need a package deal then we need a pw 50 <laughs> and we need a sunday right i got a pw i could probably get it i could probably get it over there dude i i, I love concrete indoors they're my favorite kind of kind of racing so. oh mine too buddy <laughs> so. you know there was a series that we ran up here in the 70s that started in the long beach uh arena down there in southern california went to the cow palace and up to the portland coliseum then the seattle coliseum and then up to the agrodome in canada and then ended up at a dirt short track in corvallis oregon so the guys that would mostly California and Washington, Oregon guys that come up here. That's where I had my first debut of Rick Hawking and holy shit. <laughs> this guy was like, <laughs> I think he was riding those Rocky Yamahas then. And then uh, uh, Osa, ST1 Osa, champion Osa. And the guy rode <laughs> open face helmet with, looked like he was hyperventilating and it was it would skid his foot on the side of his ankle and just hauling ass yeah that's Him a name that i haven't heard in a while man rick hawking that's that's a yeah he's yeah. a legend that's awesome oh keep me Him posted and i i'd love yep. i'd love to come up that way our season's over and it'd be it'd be a fun event to do so we'll hey, we'll chat for you, sure yeah you give me a call when you're done with all this stuff and uh, i can get you a bike to ride okay rad yeah i appreciate and, it uh yeah so it's it's you know it's it's going to be a fun deal a lot of fun so cool you can yeah, stay well, right uh, here at my house i live by myself and i got three bedrooms extra ones and yep. You know. nice that'd be awesome cool yeah count yep. me in for that and i'll uh i'll chat with you here in the next week or so while I'll, I'll get i'll um definitely figure something out there and dude i appreciate you coming on the show and sharing a lot of those stories that's that's i'm sure about like we could chat forever but a lot of good stuff and <laughs> appreciate you coming on yeah thank you all right maggie we'll see you later we'll talk to you all right yeah, buddy. bye later. nikki Faye, man that was <laughs> that was a good one I, I love chatting with with people i don't really know well i like to kind of catch up and get some insight and some stories from uh, especially it's a bonus whenever it's somebody as accomplished as Mickey Faye. So, and it looks like I found a, found an off season race to do a little concrete short track, man. That's right up my alley. So it'll be cool to get an East coast boy out there on the West coast and, and dice it up with some of those guys. As I mentioned to Mickey, you know, you're not from Washington if you're not slamming into people. So I go into it with caution, knowing that, those guys saw legs off on concrete <laughs> indoors, but I also love riding mini bikes. So it, yeah, that sounds like it's right up my alley. $6,000 purse is phenomenal. And he said it was October 16th. So we'll, 
we'll get some info on that and share later in the year. Uh, if you guys are in the Pacific Northwest and you want to come, come check it out. That's, it's one to come out and say hi to Mickey Faye and, and come watch some indoor racing. I think indoors probably the most fun racing to watch. Uh, the, the, I don't know. It's just anything can happen at an indoor uh, and it, it's the unpredictable atmosphere and the aggression it's good for it's entertainment. There's a lot of heated, heated arguments and, and good racing. So yeah, I really want to appreciate, uh, take some time just to thank the fans. Uh, appreciate you guys for, for supporting the podcast. We haven't been, or I, I should say, I haven't been posting as much on social media, sort of been, like I said earlier in the opener, a little bit detached from, from that aspect of the sport right now and appreciate everybody listening, downloading the shows, sharing it, um, try and get some more content heated up here in the near future, but I just need to take a couple weeks off. Um, I haven't posted much on my personal pages, but I have, thankfully I have a really good group of people, Billy, Jalen Norris, my family, my friends who also help out with this podcast quite a bit. And they've been keeping, keeping it posted, keeping it updated, answering questions and messages. So I want to give a shout out to my team for all their support. You guys have been awesome. Appreciate everybody listening, subscribing, sharing the podcast, comment, check us out, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud. If you have any questions on how to kind of download the pod or subscribe or leave a review, shoot us a message somebody will get back to you. I really appreciate it. I want to give a shout out to Jalen Norris. She helps me out with my social media side of it. She's been helping me out a lot. I've been, uh, got a lot of stuff going on. So I really appreciate her stepping up and helping me out and everybody else that kind of chats and, and helps me out with it as well. Uh, but big, big shout out to Noah Chambers. Our, our buddy Noah's doing Loretta Lynn's this week. So he's not just a washed up motocross rider. He actually is, really fast and he's actually he was picked as one of the top guys in college boy a couple websites i've seen so we will cheer on noah and hope he has a good result it'll be good for his career and want to give a shout out again to our sponsors that make this show happen bell power sports check out bellhelmets.com to view their full line of products i wear the race star flex the quality and safety is unmatched if you start tank slapping you want to be protected by bell Big shout out to Yamaha Motorsports and Yamaha Racing. Check out their website at yamahamotorsports.com. Motorcycle, ATV, side-by-side, snowmobile, and power products. Yamaha revs your heart. Indian Motorcycle. Since 1901, Indian Motorcycle has been the choice of riders who make their own rules. Check out a local dealership near you and go test ride a bike. The Indian Challenger, the Scout, the FTR models. So many great motorcycles made by Indian Motorcycle. And they're big supporters of flat track and they do a lot for the sport and the industry. So go check them out. Go test ride a motorcycle roof systems of Dallas, Texas, Jerry Stinchfield commercial industrial roofing company with nearly 40 years of experience. Check out his website, commercialroofsystems.net. Jerry does a lot for the sport. It keeps us going. And I want to give a, a special thank you to Jerry Dunlop motorcycle tires. Check their website out, DunlopMotorcycleTires.com. They do a lot for flat track. They're the official tire of the American Flat Track Series. They have an amateur elite team. They sponsor our show. So if you need motorcycles, not only in your flat tracker, but your motocross bike, your street bike, support the companies that support our sport. And Dunlop is a huge supporter of what we're doing in flat track right now. So 
We appreciate what they're doing for our podcast. Also, want to give a shout out to AIM Sports at AIM Sports Data. They are the world leader in data acquisition. The Solo 2 and Solo 2 DL, we talk about it every week on the pod. GPS lap timer, so many capabilities, so many things you can do to get faster lap times, learn more about your motorcycle and make those improvements on race day. Check them out at social on social media at AIM Sports Data. And another big shout out to Tommy Hannum from Hannum's Harley-Davidson in Media, Pennsylvania. 65 years in business. Check out their website at www.hannumshd.com. Parts, motor clothes, accessories, service work, new and used bikes, anything to do with Harley-Davidson, hit them up, Hannum's HD. If you have any questions or you need some contact information for any of these sponsors, hit me up. I'll get you dialed in. Upcoming races, actually... They're coming up quick. August 27th, we have the Greenville, Ohio Half Mile, Western Ohio Motorsports. Hit them up on Facebook for more information. And the RTR Motorplex. This is a race that I've been helping a little bit with. I'm super stoked on. The Mad Dog Madness at the Monroe County Fairgrounds in Bloomington, Indiana. That event is August 28th. Sign up at 3.30 p.m. Riders meeting at 5 p.m. For more information and the rules, Check out rtrmotorplex.com. Plex is P-L-E-X. That's probably a wrap. Probably. Yeah, that's a wrap on this one, guys. Appreciate all you guys for the support. We'll hit you up on the next one. Yeah.